welcome to More to Come, PW Comic Will's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at various locations around the greater New York area. <laughs> I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com, and you can check us out on Twitter at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And on social media, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. All right, this week on More to Come, uh, comics retailing problems. All right. Uh, also, comics awards news, uh, the Marvel Digital Discount, and uh, we'll take a look at Ed Pisker's x-men grand design so uh what are we going to talk about this week folks uh and by the way yeah, we're well, all recording we're from all uh, various locations around new york from home or from work yeah, yeah well you know last time we were all together there was so much news we yeah. could barely cram it all in it, that was a newsapalooza uh and you know i guess everybody's a bit spent because this time like there's a, there's a little bit going on but things are pretty quiet i guess we're waiting for wonder WonderCon to kick off uh, which is doing uh, tomorrow, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but there's a few things, you know, continuing retail uh, unrest. Yeah, uh, in particular, Meltdown Comics in L.A. I mean, that's really sad. Was it 25 years old? Yeah. And it's closing down uh, for good on March 30th. So, right. Um, right. I mean, I haven't heard solid reasons, but obviously, I, I suspect rent has something to do with it. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hearing is that uh, their lease was up and uh, the rent was not, uh, you know, the rent was going to increase. It's the same old story everywhere, East Coast, West Coast, in between yeah. coasts. Uh, you know, but Meltdown had really branched out. Uh, they were a huge store. They had they had a comedy club in the cellar. There's quite a few uh, show. There was they had their own show on Comedy Central. You know, it was like live from Meltdown. Um, they really were known for their geek comic meets comics crossover type mm-hmm. stuff. And if you ever went, they sold everything, just everything. They had incredible, incredible uh, stock, and it was huge, and it was gro- It was awesome, right in the middle of Sunset Boulevard. So it's very sad to see the store go. Yeah, are they actually going to? I mean, I see that there's a letter. Um, they kind of sent a letter, but I guess it's, um, you know, sort of hoping is there some chance of moving, but it looks like... Well, uh, there, is, there is a a, a um, mysterious Instagram photo from one of the, the Jim, uh, Jamie Iovine, who's a co-owner of the store, that shows kind of like a comics festival or a swap meet or something, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, he put that up as like, you know, we'll be back, that kind of thing. So, you know, who knows? They yeah. might they might be... I mean, Kevin, didn't we talk to Gaston for several of our retailer stories? Um, I think we did, although not recently. I think uh, Shannon did speak speak uh, with them, but not uh, in the last couple of years, not in the last two years or so anyway. Yeah, well, you know, the march of stores uh, continues. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. like 30 to 40 stores have closed. Uh, although, I, as I think I mentioned last time, you know, according to Diamond, they, their store count was down 1% last year. So mm-hmm. it's not as drastic as it seems, but it's still it's still not good. And, uh, you know, according to in, in, uh, in our comics, our recent comics retailers features, I mean, um, retailers were concerned. They weren't bleak about it. Everybody was down a little, but uh, were actually surprisingly upbeat in spite of it. So, there right. you go. 
Um, and there also was much talk. It's interesting. There was much talk among our retailers about um, a drop in foot traffic. Mm. So, um, uh, but you know, once again, they in that was also put in the context of there being a drop in foot traffic across the board in all retail, mm-hmm. uh, as online retailing becomes more and more the go-to mode. For American consumers. Well, this will be interesting because our next story um, involves JHU here in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they are uh, a descendant of this Jim Hanley's Universe stores. Um, uh, they are a different business, but it's owned by different people. But they all worked at Jim Hanley's Universe, Ron Hill and Nick Papura. That's my local, so I know them yeah. quite well. But it's begun to be very local to me, as in just a few blocks from my house, mm-hmm. because they're leaving their, uh, their, their store right now, 32nd Madison same thing they lost their lease and they have to move and they were very upfront and honest and blunt about it they put up a, a, a indiegogo yeah to crowdfund if asking for thirty thousand dollars so they could fix the floors in their new place yeah. and, and they've uh, got about 19 grand of it yeah, so they're yeah, good and, there <laughs> and the, if you look i mean i i gave right away and if you look at the people who are giving them money it is like a who's who of of you know comics it's like everybody kevin smith neil gaiman i mean you name it they've been yeah. donating you know a bit here and a bit there to, to keep get the store moving and um you know they're moving from their original location well they have two stores they have one in staten island their original location was right across from the empire state building yeah. on 33rd street mm-hmm. and where it got a lot of commuter traffic as they call it you know like like that was men. an awesome store i mean it was it sort was of a weird store. throwback comic store but it was so huge Right, right. And uh, they also had events in their basement. Yeah. And um, But, you know, people, guys would, uh, mostly guys, they had a male clientele yeah, uh, in those yeah. days and would stop off on their way home to the, uh, you know. Well, you know, to they the, used to have a store on Chamber Street, too. That's true. They were also, yeah. they had the Because I used to go to that one as well. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, the new location is in a much more residential area. It's on 3rd Avenue. It's, it's a block away from um, Trader Joe's. Um, and also walk away from Waddle Cafe, which has a so, really excellent turmeric latte. Third so. <laughs> Avenue and what? And uh, 33rd Street. Okay, so still the same neighborhood, just over on 3rd. It's sort of the same neighborhood. I mean, I live in this neighborhood, so I'm, I'm very well acquainted with it. But, uh, you know, where they were before was a lot more businesses, I'd say, mm-hmm. um, office buildings. Where they are now is very residential. So we'll see. You know, there's a lot of foot traffic on that street, uh, yeah. but they're going to Trader Joe's. So will they go to the comic shop? We'll see. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, the next item on the list, uh, Comics Awards News. Um, we've seen the, the launch of a brand new um, – set of comics awards uh, associated with the Denver Comic-Con. They're going to launch this year. They're called the Excellence in Graphic Literature Awards. Just started this year with an emphasis on books and graphic novels in the book format and the book trade. And they announced their first slate of finalists across, I think, what is it, six, seven categories? Something like that? Right, right. Um, There you go. So I I need to look at something to be able to tell you more, but give me a second and I'll dig it out <laughs> <laughs> you know we're, we're learning there's so much technology that we're just beginning to grasp here uh, yeah. the human race is just beginning to grasp <laughs> but um it, the um the 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 excellence in graphic literature awards are organized by pop culture classroom which is the organizer really of the denver comic-con which amazing to me and i just found this out actually writing a story about these awards was that you know the denver comic-con was started really as an educational 
event. Mm-hmm. It was started by this group because uh, that's dedicated itself to using all kinds of pop culture materials, and particularly comics, f- for formal education. And the result has been this massive. I mean, because they are, you I mean they, they they're they're one of these shows that's over ninety thousand attendance. Mm-hmm. I know there was some speculation about their attendance, but a lot of people go. To it's well theater. attended. There's no yeah. question that's well attended. Uh, so it's very ambitious. You know, pop culture classroom. They they they're very ambitious. So so they launched the first uh, their first slate of awards, and it's like uh, across um, six categories. Um, it, generally, uh, uh, it's uh, what, what, in children's middle grade uh, and YA, uh, as well as adults. And then there there is a mosaic which award, which is for um, the, you know a book that reflects diversity. And then I think there is a book that's a book of the year that basically picks a book from all of the previous categories, mm-hmm. and then you right. decide on that. Um, right. And uh, just very briefly, among the many books nominated, because there are books nominated through all these – I think there's five nominees in every category. I mean, um, Sean Bolivar's Bolivar, beautiful uh, graphic novel slash picture book, Good Night Planet by Linears from Tune, um, As the Crow Flies by Melanie Gilman from our uh, Iron Circus Comics. Obviously, a lot of these books were, were in our own PW uh-huh. graphic yes. novels list. I am Alfonso Jones, a fabulous graphic novel published by uh, Lee and Lowe. Uh, Quince, which I think you talked about recently. Um, yes, it was interview. a uh, McDuffie. Yeah, uh, yes, it was a McDuffie winner, and uh, we uh, talked well, about it was the winner, it was a finalist. It was uh-huh. a finalist. It was but, a finalist. Uh, Excuse me, it was a finalist. The, uh, um, uh, sure. And of course, my favorite thing is favorite. monsters. <laughs> yes. um, There's but, no award that is you know uh, complete without a nomination. She has cleaned the plate. Anyway, the um, the uh, the first slate of nominees was announced last week on March fifteenth, and it's archived. It was live streamed on Kidlit TV, uh, so and it's still archived there, so you can go there and watch the festival event. The awards themselves will be given out on June sixteenth at a gala award ceremony at the Denver Comic Con. Uh, it seems like all of the shows now they they evolved they've all sort of maneuvered to have their own awards. Obviously. San Diego has the granddaddy of them all, the the most prestigious, the, the Eisners. You know, New York Comic Con now has the Harveys. You know, and mm-hmm. um, which are in, in you know, well, I guess we'll kick off their new existence. Uh, and now we have the Denver Comic Con. Yeah. So yeah. and uh, yeah, no, that show's definitely uh, you know on the upswing, and a lot of thought. Uh, our old friend John Shableski was involved in yes, the award, so. Uh, you know, a lot of effort being um, – Yeah, and um, they also have a huge advisory uh, council that includes you know, many people that we know. Uh, Meg Lemke is on it, who's our new graphic novels review editor. Uh, I know some of the retailers, uh, the Earth 2 retailers, Car D'Angelo and, um, and, and Susan Avalone, they're part of it. So um, this is uh, – I think this is just a great new um, – uh, way to single out the best books in the in the, in the in the book in the graphic novel category at a time when books you know are becoming more and more important in comics, right? Okay, and yay! Oh, there are also uh, I noticed I read this on the beat the cartoonist studio prizes. Yes, so they were launched. Uh, I mean, they they're well, they're not launched. This they're is not launched. Yeah, they're nominee, their nominees were announced, right? Yes, exactly. And um, you know, this is a prize that's given out by Slate. And uh, the conjunction with the cartoon uh, Center for Cartoon Studies, and see now I'm the one who didn't uh, have it uh, pulled up here. So let me see if I can look at. Uh, but the, uh, the thing I like for this 
this prize is that they they have one they they have ten finalists in two categories one for print and one for digital and um you know uh, there one uh, that is in print that is nominated is my favorite thing is monsters <laughs> <laughs> interestingly uh you would have like a road lr davis uh, the best we could do by team yeah. week boundless a lot of books we've talked about uh and then the web comics. I think it's always really great to look at the web comics yes. because uh, you know they don't really cross our our path quite as much here for what we do. And it's a it's a really strong list with um, a lot of good a lot of good good work on there. So um, you know, a fire story by Brian Fies, Agents of the Realm by Mildred Lewis, and mm-hmm. um, Leaving Richard's Valley by Michael DeForge. It's this comic he's been running on Instagram. That's pretty awesome, actually. So yeah, a lot of good stuff on cool. there. Cool. All right. Awesome. <laughs> awards for everyone yes there you go all right so let's see um okay let's segue to the marvel digital discount this has been an interesting phenomenon um uh you know marvel well now look various platforms seem to be offering uh marvel comic digital comics at a pretty dramatic discount is that right, right? i mean it's yeah, um, especially platforms owned by amazon okay yeah. okay sorry we're all talking over each other let's try that That's again right. Yeah, Comixology, I believe, is doing it, and so that means that Amazon is doing it too. Yes, Amazon right. is doing it. But actually, uh, Comixology and Amazon are doing it separately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, one owns the other, but when Comixology is offering a sale, frequently Amazon will not offer that same sale or will offer a slightly different version. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I needed to go onto Comixology. I could log in with Amazon to get onto Comixology. You had to go yeah. onto Comixology.com mm-hmm. in order to get the highly discounted graphic novels from their sale. Well, what's significant about this is that they are selling uh, digital collections that normally go for $19.99 for $0.99. Cents. And a lot of people yes. are wondering why is Amazon totally devaluing uh, digital comics like this? I mean, yes. it's a uh, Hmm. Deep. It's not even a deep discount. It's a plummeting discount. Yeah, because it's not – if this were just a one-time thing, we'd be like, oh, you know, it's a one-time thing. But over the past year, um, Marvel has done this like three or four times. Mm-hmm. And so it's enough that it's starting to be a really obvious pattern. Right. And well, now, it's I'm interesting sorry. to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. Now – my understanding, uh, and it's been my, uh, Amazon's history, is that they regularly do these kinds of stream discounts across all publishing categories. Yeah, but not like this. Yeah, yes, not like, like this. Not yes, the like same this. books, the same publisher, this selling, deep, several selling, times in one year. That's not typical. For a dollar? They regularly discount, drastically discount all kinds of digital books. So, so okay, you know, they, I don't keep track of any one particular category okay, like we okay. do of comics. As someone who buys digital books hmm. um, and has an eye for bargains, I can tell you that the level of discounting, not just like, okay, it's knocked down to a dollar, but the number of books knocked down to a dollar at a time, or even not a dollar, but sometimes three ninety nine, but a whole bunch of them knocked down, are unprecedented in the scope and the frequency that Marvel's been doing. Like, this is just not typical. This yeah, is this typical. is. I, I I agree with Kate. I mean, I, I you know, Comicsology constantly runs fifty uh, percent off sales, uh, and you know they've admitted. I mean, at the ICV two conference last time, David Steinberger, you know, mentioned that 
you know, they, they, that's how they, they, you know, they, they know that the prices were a little high and by running the sales is how they kind of, you know, it gives them an added boost. And, um, you know, I, I'm reading actually our friend, uh, friend of the podcast, Rob Salkowitz has a column on ICV2 and he says some very interesting things. I'm going to actually read it aloud here. Mm-hmm. Uh, all this discounting means the effective price of digital back issues crashed, crashed way under the magic number of 99 cents, the price point that everyone in the industry seemed fixated on just a few years ago. It's also fulfilled the prophecy that programs like Humble Bundle, which led the way and dumped mm-hmm. piles of digital issues in the market for ridiculous prices, would eventually erode the perception of value for non-current material, permanently lowering the ceiling for profit margins on publisher back catalog in exchange for the sugar high of short-term revenue. So yeah, this that is, is a very dark take. It's a very dark take, but um, you know, I mean, Marvel is known, uh, yeah, as a Marvel watcher, they do sales like this, like maybe at the end of the quarter, maybe you know, like oh, let's yeah. get it, it is a little revenue boost for them, and um, you know, this one is really drastic. No, well, I, I I missed it. Um, I only came in on the tail end where there were like five graphic novels on Comicsology. Um. But I have seen their sales in the past, and some of this has something to do with, oh, I don't know, some of Marvel's sales difficulties in the last year or so, because I started noticing the sales start coming fast and furious, like not talking the 50% off sales, like the really deep sales. It might be cynical of me, but I noticed, I started to pick up on the sales coming fast and furious, not the 50% off ones, the really big, deep discount ones, starting to come fast and furious for Marvel right about the same time that a lot of people started getting disenchanted with current Marvel comics and they started having sales difficulties. I mean, I I noticed it because I found myself thinking, well, I could buy a single Marvel comic now, which might have, I don't know, Nazi Captain America in it or something, uh, you know, because they have to bring in every character in every book. Or I could spend that same three ninety nine on a digital Squirrel Girl trade. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to buy the digital Squirrel Girl of trade. And I went, sure. hey, hold up, wait a minute. Like, that's probably not a coincidence when I notice it happening over and over again. I mean... I almost wonder whether it's to prop up their bottom line because they've been having some trouble over the past year. Oh, well, I think what it, I, my guess is that it is, you know, Marvel goes through a quarter and they see, you know, like, well, if they're going to make their numbers for that quarter. And if they aren't, they're like, oh, we need to do X, Y and Z. And Z is run a digital sale, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just goose that goose that bottom line a little bit. I would not be at all surprised. But, you know, I don't know. These 99 cent trade paperbacks, though, that is very extreme. Um, I did not have a chance to look at the sale, but there were some really great books on there that were, um, you know, very desirable books. And um, it was very. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it means. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I'm glancing through Rob's column as well. I'm going to read it a little closer. But um, I mean, I mean, he seems to issue a series of questions. He's not quite sure what it means either. He also talks about how, as far as he knows, you know, this is generating, you know, interest. Uh, you know, people publishers use this to generate interest across their line to find new readers to 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 kind of knock the dust off of series that nobody is buying anyway. I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, when as prices drop, you get worried. But this is what people compl- I mean, people have been complaining. Publishers have been complaining about Amazon and its and its drastic discounting 
um, uh, since the very beginning, even right. as Amazon des- delivers more and more revenue to them uh, than they and more efficiently than ever before. So it's 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 you know what I'm saying is I don't know I don't know what it means. Right. I mean I don't necessarily think personally as a comics fan I find that comics fans want the content they want. I don't know that Marvel's constant discounting is going to hurt sales for other companies' digital comics at higher prices that much. Uh-huh. Um, because I think if you want Batman, you will buy Batman. You won't buy Squirrel Girl. But I do think it it could it could hurt the market for Marvel Digital Comics at the original price. You know, I'm looking at the sale page right now, and there's a blurb. This is I'm looking at the Comicsology page, and the blurb says this week's new Marvel collections, ninety nine cents each for a limited time only. Um, you know, some discuss some uh, you know yeah, restrictions like, may apply, but uh. You know, that's, that's a small pretty, sale. There's only like five trades. Yeah, there's only like they only have like five trades in it now. But uh, you know, that's still kind of significant. It's like, oh, here's this week's, you know, or their new collections on sale. Wow, hmm. interesting. I mean, I mean, why on earth would you, I mean for trade waiters, it's a bonanza. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I, I mean I could say about Marvel discounting is Marvel does. I mean, excuse me, Amazon discounting is that they don't do anything without data to back it up. Right. I mean, and usually their reason for discounting is because it promotes. Uh, sales across, you know, the catalog, particularly on the print side, very often. So, yeah. I don't well, know. but sometimes the sales are generated from the publisher. Sometimes the publisher says, "Hey, Amazon, I'd like you to do a sale on this thing." Oh yeah. Well, and sometimes and I kind of think it is twist the arm of the publishers to make them. Yeah, but I mean, it. this is often <laughs> enough that it looks like a pattern that I'm pretty sure it's coming from the Marvel end and not from the Amazon. Right. End. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, you know, it's it's definitely it's definitely you just don't notable. see anything. Well, I, yeah, I, I agree with you, but only in the sense that I mean, you never have to tri- twist Amazon's arm to get them right. to on a discount. No, true. I mean, true. If the if publishers are requesting it, then uh, they've been they've been schooled by Amazon that hey, they, they've shown them the data that this is this helps, or Amazon has come to his, uh, and offering some sort of like headlock offer that they mm-hmm. had well, I mean. It. I will say that in the, if you are self-publishing on Amazon, you can't offer your item on sale for that long before they're like, uh, you have to either stop putting it on sale or lower the regular price. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, all of these sales have time limits on them. They do them over and over again, yeah. but you do they only do them for a certain period and then they stop. And I get I get constant you know stuff for and you, the, the other thing I'm curious about. Um, because you brought up hum, Humble Bundle. Now, that's another interesting phenomenon that generates, at the last time I wrote a story about it, huge amounts of money. Yes. Windfall yeah. royalties uh, for the authors. Very often uh, on sales of backlist books that, you know, probably sitting uh, and not, you know, nece- not necessarily generating sales. Um, publishers, well, I- more and more publishers, including I mean, book trade publishers, are continuing to line up and do it. Um, well, I, yeah, I think on. it's different than Marvel because Humble Bundle is, it's really more rolled dice. Like you don't, it's not the same publisher over and over and it's not the same books over and over. It's usually a very curated specific group of books that a publisher puts forth for a reason. It's right. not like, it's not going to be the same titles usually 
And often it won't be like the whole series that's on cheap, unless it's a series that really is is falling by the wayside. Every bundle is different, I agree. Uh, But definitely there are certain publishers that are in them over and over again. IDW, Dynamite, uh, they're in it constantly. It's it's not not a large chunk of their line. Well, it's I don't like, know about that. It's a long chunk. Of, very often, it's a large chunk of their backlist. It um, is, but I, but you know, they're periodic. I mean, you know, yes, they it's are very limited. It's and like it's Image not, has done one. Image does. Like, I, I don't think you're allowed to do one more than more than like once every two years because they only that. do one a month, and it's very limited. And you know, Dynamite is the biggest bundler, but they've gone off and found every other bundling service. And mm. you know, like after a while, you just don't want that many. You know. Vampirella meets Red Sonia collections, you know, but they, it is, it's like a, it's a bust, a burst of money for them. And, you know, absolutely. So, you know, is this a more, a more, uh, targeted or a more, you know, uh, corporate form of humble bundle? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the, the other thing I'm... that happens is interesting that, uh, for instance, and I, I don't, I, I bought, I've, I've bought into some of the uh, humble bundles and I've also bought, you know, some of these, um, Giant bundles on, um, I think, th- I think the Comicsology author offers some of these things where you get like a hundred comics or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You get these things and I buy them and I read, you know, some of the books, but you know what? I mean, at this end of the day, um, I still get most excited about buying print comics. So uh-huh. I, I, I'm just wondering, even why we reflexively, cause we're this consumer culture, we reflexively re- react to anything that's offered at a discount. And buy them. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, they're so cheap. I, I'm just wondering how do they affect? Would you not buy some great new edition of a print book because you had you bought it or forgot you bought it in some giant bundle? Uh, you know, six months ago. I don't know. Right. I would. I would. Not. I mean, okay. I'm going to come at it from the perspective of someone who is younger. Yeah. Um. I won't. Like, if if I really fell in love with a book. Through a bundle, which I have done a couple times, yeah. Then maybe I'll buy it in print. But if I like it and I enjoy it, but it's not like a world favorite, then no. If I own it in digital, why would I buy it again? Yeah, you know I'm a hoarder, so I just like more of everything. You know, I <laughs> no, I have I have a a backup disc that has like you know hundreds sure. and hundreds of terabytes, well not terabytes but gigabytes. Yeah. Of digital comics that I I have, uh, I also have a big giant pile of books that I can barely walk past. Here. Yeah, and I'm I'm uh, a demi- I'm a smaller version of Heidi. I'm not a I'm not a hoarder, but I'm sort well, of. A, I don't know. We I'm a, have a I, I've got hoarding tendencies, no doubt about it. I mean, I'm an accumulist, not a collector. I mean, I right. know, I right. get I grab stuff that I see that I like at the moment, and I can have a lot of the stuff that I've already bought because I've forgotten that I bought it. <laughs> so, so right. I, you know, I think sometimes uh, we look for rational consumer buying habits in these new trends, and I'm not always sure that that's the case, though I'm sure there are very rational consumers. Well, I mean, I think sometimes something can be an enthusiasm and a burst of, of like, buying, like, ooh, shiny, yeah, and cheap. still not be a completely <laughs> irrational thing. Like, the enthusiasm for humble bundles or for buying things you might not otherwise buy when they're on sale on Marvel is a very basic one of, hey, I'd like to try something new, and I'm not actually willing to spend that much to do it. Yeah. 
And also, like, there's a charity, pretty there's reasonable. A charity donation uh, aspect of humble, humble. Well, of course, it's yeah, always which, nice too, which is great. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like for I think a lot of people have a lot of stuff, you know. And I think a, a humble bundle or you know a big digital buy is a is a no brainer, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like you put them on your iPad or your Kindle and you forget about yeah. them, and then exactly. they're there. You're like, oh, what shall I read? I'm going to read this this uh, Doctor Strange Masterworks, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm going to this this book that Marvel put out by people I don't care about, but uh, oh well, you know it ties into Infinity War, so I will read this. You know, so yeah, I'll it's, give it it's, a try. Maybe yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It, it is sampling. You know, we haven't even mentioned Comicsology Unlimited. You know, which is their other their other their monthly yeah. bundling service. But yeah, but that's um, not really a bundle. It's a subscription service. No, it's a subscription service. But you know, I'm just saying, there's a lot of ways to get a lot of digital content for not a lot of money. Exactly, and that's yeah, the other but, thing. This is just the latest version because there's in. I mean, Marvel and Marvel Unlimited. I mean, believe me, some of the retailers in our retailer feature, they sort of get, you know, they sort of kicked Marvel Unlimited saying that, you know, they're, you know, they're providing too much content to people for too little money. Mm. So, I mean, there's an awful lot of digital content floating around here. If you want it, you don't, you can read a lot of comics for very little money. I'm sorry, go on, Kate. But I think what makes hmm, um, the Marvel sales a little different is that you can specifically cherry pick exactly the thing you want because the sales were so wide. Yeah, it was a that huge sale. It wasn't I mean, a matter of now, just like five books, but I will. You want me to try this book? I think the price is right. I will try the book that you want me to try, Marvel. Well, right. No, I it's, think- you could have whatever you wanted, basically. I, I'm sorry that I didn't go to the sale because obviously I could have picked up a lot of stuff. But <laughs> I'll tell you this: there was something strange about that sale, and we don't know what. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, anyway, well, what's our next topic here? All right, let's segue quick. Well, uh, if you go to publishersweekly.com slash comics, you'll see that we've got an author profile up of Ed Pisker. Uh, and for those of you who may not know about Ed Pisker, fabulous cartoonist. He's the Eisner Award winning uh, author of Hip Hop Family Tree. Um, before that, uh, he uh, with Hip Hop Family Tree is a history of hip hop from the 70s to the 80s. Before that, he uh, did WYSIWYG, which was a PW Best Book of the Year. Was a, a a history of the of hacking, um, it done through the form of a, of a piece of fiction. Uh, but what he set himself out to do this time is pretty interesting. This is he, he's an indie comics guy who decided to take on one of the great franchises of superheroes, uh, X Men. And right. uh, he's a kid of the '90s. He grew up reading X Men. Grew up reading, you know, the Chris Claremont, you know, issue. Uh, issues and what he decided to do and he did this in a tweet he sent off a tweet saying you know i've got the perfect story i can like i can um i've got a way to concro- to, to combine and um uh and and cohere the first 300 issues of, of x-men <laughs> into a complete straightforward tale that will you know you know, it, it, never mind that this is the uh, storytelling over the course of decades with many different writers contributing parts and expanding, you know, the, the X-Men cons, yes, side exactly. cons. But he took it and t- – so he tweeted this and Axel Alonso, the former Marvel editor-in-chief, editor called his bluff and <laughs> took him up on it. So what he's done is turned the entire arc of, of – X-Men from its beginning in the early 60s, um, essentially up to now, I guess, 
Uh, and he made it one single narrative in his inimitable drawing style. It's fascinating. Um, uh, friend of the show, Brian Heater, wrote the profile. Um, and uh, he, he had full, you know, he had full support of Marvel to do it. So um, it's fascinating. He's, as I'm trying to pull out some quotes that he had. Uh, well, and he you know, Ed, oh, yeah, go, go on, Colin. No, just Charles. to say that he, you know, he's an indie comics guy, and he said he's always wanted to know if, like, geez, if, like, you know, the Hernandez brothers could do, like, Wonder Woman, you know, I always <laughs> wanted to be able to take on one of these great franchises, and boom, I got a chance to do it. Well, if he could, un, you know, untangle the history of hip hop and, you know, from, from its various uh, sources, some of them biased, some of them not. I mean, that was an easy project compared to the X-Men, believe me. Uh, you know, there's a whole – I've talked about how uh, Jay edited and, and – uh, you know, has this podcast that has like 300 episodes that's called Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men. And that's literally all they do is talk about X-Men. Yeah, content. he's amazing. Uh, yeah, his ability yeah. to break down the X-Men. Yeah. But yeah. You, 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 and you, it still you, takes 300 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're not done yet? Yeah. Well, Heidi made you made a really good point. I mean, Ed has a knack because that's really what WYSIWYG was about. It was really explaining basically the entire history of hacking, both uh, beginning with social hacks, you know, uh, tricking people into giving your your the, your your the, your password to uh, the early days of the black box phone that you could use to, to to hack into phone calls, all the way up to now to Kevin Mitnick, you know, and 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 um, and hacking online. But he's got this net for being able to take gigantic story arcs and actually make them entertaining. Well, he's a historian. A his, he's a historian. So, you know what? He, that's really what his his strength is. So, you know, it's yeah. great to see him. And, and you know, we slag Marvel, like, constantly on this. But uh, uh, the X-Men grand design has actually been a, a, a hit for Marvel. Yeah. You know, it's been a critical hit. Everybody loves it, of course. But it's also sold very well. It's gone yeah. back to press several times. So this is so great. Well, a I mean, nice example. I, I can see why, because there are a lot of fans who... It doesn't matter how many comics you read. If you haven't read all the comics, which goodness knows with Marvel, even with Marvel Digital Unlimited, good luck with that. <laughs> um, you know, the, even a lot of people who are like, yes, I'm a big comics fan. I know everything. Secretly, deep in their heart, are like, do I know everything? And so I think a lot of people will secretly see this as like a fun way to brush up on their X-Men history. So the next time something weird comes up, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that thing. There you go. Right. Well, go to publishersweekly.com slash comics and you can read it for yourself. Well, guys, um, I think I'm not the only one with briefs. Heidi, oh, do well, you have I a brief? Oh, well, I just wanted to, you know, last time... Uh, we were talking, we were just, you know, in a, like a whirlwind of people leaving positions and everything. But there's since then, there's actually been a mini whirlwind of some people being hired at positions. Last time we were mentioning that Hunter Gorenson was leaving Valiant, which looked pretty dire for them. I mean, with their new owners and everything. However, just today it was announced that Mel Kahlo, yeah, who had been at Boom, mm -hmm. has actually joined Valiant as their director of marketing. And uh, interestingly, he will remain on the West Coast. So that might be a harbinger of some other things. Just a little, little Heidi well, sense tingling there. But anyway, congrats to Mel. Everybody yeah. loves him. He is literally one of the most loved people in the comics. He industry. absolutely is. It'll so, so great to see him land on both. Yeah, teams. and uh, you know, Lion Forge, which is the uh, sister company, is an owner of the Beat My Site. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, you know, I am actually. Uh, oh, there goes my phone. I forgot to turn it <laughs> off. So another thing to be cutting out. 
Okay, let's turn it off. <laughs> there you go. Real yeah. life, folks. <laughs> yes, it's very live, very unfocused, very, very raw. Really live. Raw. Um, anyway, so Lion Forge, uh, the company that owns the beat, so I am an employee, disclaimer there, but they are on a hiring spree and they've just hired. Um, Shauna Gore, who used to be an editor at Dark Horse, oh, and yeah. Amanda Meadows of The Devastator. Uh, and Amanda was one of our 30 under 30, wasn't yeah, she, Yeah, Yeah. Well, you know what? She was I, She was a Star Watch honoree. A Star Watch. That's what it yes, was. Yes. That's so. great. Actually, I didn't, she was know, an I didn't see this. I didn't know about this announcement. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So she will be an editor at Lion Forge, uh, you know, and two really great people. I mean, yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I, uh, you know, uh, disclaimer again, uh, but uh, boy, they're sure collecting a lot of great people over there. They really are. I mean, once again, Lion Forge is doing one interesting thing after another. So, great. So, DC Comics and the studio Somos Arte are teaming up for a charity anthology called Reconstruction, spelled R I C A N. A comic book anthology that says reminiscing and rebuilding Puerto Rico. So it's a bunch of stories set in Puerto Rico and uh, created by a wide variety of comics creators, including some who are Puerto Rican. Uh, And all proceeds go to raise money for the reconstruction of Puerto Rico. Great. Uh, So this should be coming soon and includes a team up between... Uh, Wonder Woman and the original Puerto Rican superhero La Boricueña. Yeah, you know, I'll just very quickly. I I happened to uh, uh, I was able to hear uh, Eduardo uh, Ed, Ed, Edgardo 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 Miranda uh, Rodriguez, the creator of La Boricueña. Uh, he was at the uh, Black Comics Book Festival in Harlem. Uh, a wonderful, sp- uh, uh, articulate. Uh, fascinating guy. Uh, we, I think we had talked once about getting him on the podcast, so we'll have to try to continue to do that. Uh, he's very impressive, and uh, this obviously this effort to help Puerto Rico is really uh, right on time. And uh, and I'll take this since um, it says Heidi is an employee, but Lion Forge also, which you need to point out, Lion Forge has put together a Puerto Rico strong uh, an anthology of stories. Um, uh, uh, and comics, you know, uh, mm-hmm. meant to, to to raise money for uh, Puerto Rican recovery. So uh, another shout out to Lion Forge. Speaking of comings and goings, Marvel has had a very interesting little editorial shuffle, which is both comings and goings to swap places. Editors Jordan White and Mike Panicchia are swapping editorial jobs at Marvel. The X-Men editor is swapping places with the Star Wars editor. <laughs> now, maybe they just got bored with their particular comics universe. Or, alternately, maybe Marvel has decided that, you know, X-Men is is worthy of the Star Wars touch. We shall see more well, to come on yes, this year, yes, listeners. And exactly. That's an interesting little swap there. But I, you <clears> know, I will say Mark's been on the X-Men books for a long time. Sometimes you just need a shake-up. You know, you got to stay yeah. fresh. Uh, and speaking of shake-ups and Star Wars and Marvel, <laughs> Disney has announced that they are going to add Marvel Comics theme park lands. Finally, <laughs> yeah. after their long 
period of longings in this direction. They are acting, adding an actual Marvel land to a number of D, uh, Disney theme parks the year after they add Star Wars lands. Uh, but, but not at Disney World because Universal still owns the rights to Marvel characters east of the Mississippi. <laughs> right. Well, corporate comics, what a world. What, what are you going to do? What a wacky but, world. <laughs> but, um, uh-huh. be that as it may, on some sunny day in, what, 2020 or 2021, depending on how well they stick to schedule, you too, dear listener, would be able to walk into the Marvel Universe physically uh, at a Disney park in your country of choice. And, well, yes, one more thing. For you anime fans out there, uh, if you are an anime fan, you've probably already seen these shows or decided you don't want to see these shows because they're pretty unavoidable. But if you want to rewatch your very favorite Viz classics, they are now available to watch free on Verizon's Go90 platform. You don't even need to have a Verizon phone or subscription. Um, You can see Death Note, Hunter x Hunter, Inuyasha, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Seasons 1 through 3, Naruto, Seasons 1 through 5, One Punch Man, Vampire Knight, Infinity Jet Force, and Excel World. All of these for free. Hmm. Nice. That sounds like a Another free digital deal. (laughs) Yeah, well, it it is sort of interesting in the same way because it's being backed by a major company, Verizon, and it seems to be making, you know, digital comics or animation more of like a a sweetener and less of a thing that people would pay for itself. It's interesting, business Mm -hmm. model. We'll see where that goes. Yeah. You know, on my Twitter feed... Uh, you know, the meltdown news really shocked a lot of people. And, my, you know, my Twitter feed was full of, of folks saying, like, you know, comics are dying, comics are dead. And, um, you know, it's it's not good when stores close. Obviously, there's a soft retail uh, environment right now. But you know what? There's just so much going on in other places. Yep. doesn't mean that there's not going to be some people are going to lose their jobs. And, you know, yep. there's going to be hardships. I'm not, you know, we're in for an interesting year. <laughs> yeah, no, Absolutely. Uh, you know, um, one more news brief. I don't know whether uh, you were going to mention this, Kate, but the um, uh, uh, Inio Asano uh, is going to be uh, making an appearance. Uh, the the, uh, uh, the terrific um, mangaka is making an appearance at TCAF at the Toronto Comic Arts Festival. You know, the author of uh, Goodnight Pun Pun, uh, Salanin, uh, and and the the, late, the most recent one, which I have not read, Dead Dead uh, Demon Destruction. <laughs> did I say that? Did I pronounce that correctly? No, no. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, he's a fabulous artist. Um, uh, TCAF is a fabulous festival. Uh, that's May, uh, May, May 12th, uh, the weekend of May 12th, 13th, something like that. Mid-May, uh, Be There or Be Square. Yes, exactly. Hopefully my uh, juror duty summons that I have to go to will not impinge on this. I see. Okay, well. Oh, dear. Well, Danger. I've got to leave a little note of suspense you're gonna there. You're going to scam it. You're going to go on the yeah. lamb in Canada. There I you go. Can't. Well, I will. I may have to because this is it. I put it off for four years. And well, so that have says I. So we just con- I, just con- I just confessed on podcast radio. Anyway. No. So. Well, we'll be very good. Well, there'll definitely be. More. Two. Come. 